most PhDs take their career to industry, and most industry jobs require a resume. And most PhDs who are trying to get their first industry job create resumes with consistent mistakes, and those mistakes are costing them jobs, money, and opportunities. Today, I want to tell you about three things that you can do to change your crappy resume into something that recruiters want to see. Welcome to the Grad School Sucks podcast, the show for grad students and academics who want to get their first industry job. I'm Dr. Matt Carlson, your host, and today we're going to talk about resumes. So before I get started, I want to provide a little context into what a resume is and what it does. Essentially, a resume is a marketing document, typically one or two pages, that you use to accomplish one goal. And that one goal is to get a recruiter to call you to do a first round interview, often called a phone screen. It's the beginning stage of trying to win a job in industry. And resumes and CVs differ in some important ways. And one way to look at the main difference between the two is that CVs are intended to describe and articulate. And they're meant to be all-encompassing and they include information that just goes on and on and on. I think my CV was like 10 or 15 pages back when I was a research scientist. Resumes, on the other hand, are very short. They're to the point. And the length of the two is not even the main difference, I would say. The main difference when it comes to the actual intention behind creating a resume versus CV is showing impact. Resumes exist to show the impact that you have had in the organizations that you've been a part of, whereas CVs are more intended to document your journey as a professional. And the three reasons why your resume probably sucks, I think, hinge on that main distinction. So let's go ahead and jump into those three reasons your resume sucks and how you can fix those. The first reason it sucks is that it probably has too many words. And this goes back to the thinking that we have as academics when we're writing papers, when we're creating our CVs. We want to be exhaustive. We want to perfectly articulate the scope of a certain position that we had and the different activities that we get engaged in in that position. The truth of the matter is that your resume is probably going to get looked at by a recruiter for less than 10 seconds. And in that 10 seconds, you have to convince the recruiter to put you in the pile to follow up on later, as opposed to putting your resume in the trash can. And the thing that will definitely convince recruiters to put your resume in the trash can is when they see far too many words on your resume. It simply confuses and overwhelms and might make you come across as a little bit disconnected from the way things are normally done. And the best way to address that is to look at the second thing that you're probably doing wrong, and that is not including enough numbers in your resume. And when I'm talking about having too many words and not enough numbers, I'm specifically speaking about the work experience section of your resume. The main part of your document that shows the different job titles that you've held in the past five to ten years and the description of that role that you put under the job title. And even that word description is a bit of a misnomer because in your work experience section, 
you don't want to describe the role you had. You don't want to discuss the duties that you engaged in. You want to articulate the impact that you had in that role. And you're gonna do that with numbers. And those numbers could be something as simple as collected over 100 participants worth of data in a research study, or taught 80 undergraduate students about human development. And numbers are valuable for two main reasons. Number one, they're simply easier to read than words. Numbers can tell a story in a smaller amount of space that will require a smaller amount of brain cells than words can. Additionally, numbers underscore the scale of the impact that you had. Think of the differences between taught an undergrad class on human development and taught an undergrad class on human development to 80 students, which brought in over $100,000 of tuition payments. It's much more compelling to someone who is looking to fill the role to have you point out the impact in numbers. And if you're not using numbers in every single bullet point that you have in your work experience section, then you're simply not putting your best foot forward. Numbers simply get attention and they sell you as an asset, someone who can show up and be a team player and do the job well. Which brings me to my third and last point, which is also in the work experience section. And that is that your resume might suck because you have poorly defined roles listed in your work experience section. And the typical poorly defined roles that I see are graduate teaching assistant, graduate research assistant, or even worse, graduate assistant. Unless you're going into an industry that typically brings in PhDs for the role that you're interviewing for, or the recruiter that's looking at your resume just so happens to understand the inner workings of academia, those technically correct titles are likely not setting you up for success. Think about it from the recruiter's position. If they've never gone further into higher education than undergrad, they may not even know what those terms mean. And even think about the word assistant. The first thing that I think of when I see the word assistant is executive assistant, which is very different from the kinds of roles that we're talking about that grad students have with their assistantships. And I can already hear some potential reactions. Well, Matt, number one, what am I supposed to put if that's the actual title I have? And number two, won't I get caught when they do a background check and find out that that's not the exact title I hold at a university? So let's go ahead and address both of those. Number one, you should use a job title that the recruiter will understand. If you worked in a research lab and you managed research projects, you oversaw the work of undergrads and other grad students, and you facilitated the collection of data, you could probably say that you are a lab manager or a research project manager or a researcher or a research analyst or a junior data analyst whatever title that a accurately encompasses the duties you performed and b is understandable to a recruiter is the kind of title you should put and in terms of won't i get in trouble 
if recruiters see that what I have listed on my resume doesn't match what a university has me down as in terms of a job title. There's a couple things to think about there. Number one, your resume is a marketing document. It is essentially there to elicit recruiters' attention. A job application, on the other hand, is more of a legal document. And so one way to navigate this is to put the helpful description for recruiters on your resume and then put the technically accurate job description on your job application because the HR department for a company is going to be taking your job application information whenever they do a background check, not your resume typically. Another way to address this is to simply put both the descriptive title and the technically accurate title. It can look a little cumbersome, but it is a way of circumventing this. Additionally, when a background check like that is being conducted, typically what they're looking for is when someone has grossly overinflated their past work history, not for fine distinctions between fairly equal job titles. I've only heard of a few circumstances where either HR departments or hiring managers or recruiters have brought up to a candidate that a position they had listed in their materials didn't match what the background check with the university showed. And typically those were mediated by someone reaching out and simply asking the candidate to explain the discrepancy. Of course, if you list yourself as having been a CEO, when in reality you were a data analyst, of course that's going to take you out of the running for position if that gets caught. But again, think about it from the company and the recruiter's perspective. They want to understand what your experience is. And so technically accurate job titles that are not understandable to people outside of academia are simply roadblocks to their main goal. And also think about the opportunity cost you might incur by choosing to go with the technically accurate job title of graduate assistant. While maybe one or two in 100 positions might ding your application if you were to change that job title to something else and they found out, probably 90 out of 100 recruiters are going to be more likely to understand and appreciate a job title like, say, data analyst, something that they can understand instead of having to sift through the archaic academic language of graduate research assistant. The risk of updating the language of academic job titles to something more industry-friendly is, I think, quite low, and I think the upside and potential benefit of doing so is quite high. So those are the three things that I think can be done to improve the average industry resume of a PhD who is wanting to enter the private sector. Again, that's removing words, basically making it easier to read. Again, 10 seconds is how long you have to convince a recruiter that you're the right person to move forward in the application process. Number two is numbers. Numbers tell a more convincing story. They also require less brain power to digest. And if you're not using numbers in every single bullet of your job descriptions, 
then you're simply not doing yourself justice. And then number three, consider rewording the potentially out of date or difficult to understand job titles that many grad students hold. If you are interested in creating your first industry resume, or you've already made it, but you don't like it and you want to make a upgraded version, then I recommend you sign up for my upcoming free resume workshop. This workshop will be held on Tuesday, November 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern. And again, registration is free. You can go to gradschoolsucks.com webinars to sign up, or you can click the link in the description of this episode. That's all I have for you this week, and I look forward to seeing you all next time.